Welcome to the Slavic Boat Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. I'm so glad that you're here. Today is Thursday, August the 26th. And as promised, I've got a couple of guests in the studio today, and we're going to talk about what is happening in this country from the perspective of an immigrant. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So lots of things going on this week. You guys know that uh, you can find my schedule at HeidiStJohn.com. And uh, if you've got questions about my run for Congress, again, that is HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. I wanted to thank you guys for coming out to the event that we had in Philida Park on Wednesday. It is really good to see you guys getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. It's part of the reason that I am running for office in the first place, really is to set an example, to say, listen, if that, you know, if that homeschool mom, that mother of seven, that grandmother, if she can put herself out there, surely I can put myself out there because our nation is in trouble. And a couple days ago, we talked about communism and Marxism, Marxism being a philosophy, an idea that really is a dangerous idea that when it takes root, it ultimately results in communism. And a couple of years ago, I was very, very honored and pleased to be invited to start speaking and do a few events with an organization called Slavic Vote. And when they approached me, I just thought, yes, this is amazing because there's so many people here from the Slavic community. And I, I still believe if they will be engaged and get uh, involved in what's happening politically, especially, we will see the tide turn in the Pacific Northwest and even around the country. So Dimitri approached me and asked me if I'd be willing to speak. They depend on, they need your silence. They need you to be quiet. One of the reasons why I'm so excited about the Slavic community and what God is doing in your midst is because I've been told how many of you live here. And I know that upwards of 90% of y'all are not voting. And I wonder what would happen if there was a move of God so powerful in the Slavic community, you could change the culture in the Pacific Northwest for the Lord. So, uh, so guys, welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. I'm pretty sure this is the first time you've been on here, yeah? That's the first time. Yeah? Welcome. Yeah. My wife has a, was actually at the center a few days ago, and she's like, wow, I didn't even know this place existed. It was living <laughs> right next door to you guys. <laughs> Did she like it? Uh, yeah, she loved it. She was a little overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and then when she brought the inf- information to me, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm like, wow, people are actually doing things, and it's just amazing. Yeah, it's really great. And you guys, I'm going to start with you, because you've done something that you didn't think you would ever do, and that was to pull your kids out of public school. Yes, I did. How terrifying or, was that? My wife did, actually. <laughs> she came and notified me, and I was like, okay, well, we took the jump. I guess we got to do this. Yeah. And I think it's just going to be it's going to be an interesting... Uh, I don't think it's going to be worse than what happened last year, because we're actually pulling our kids out of K-12, mm-hmm. which is a very big program across the U.S. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents decided to move their kids that direction because it was the only option. It was right. free. Uh, but our kids were just sitting at the computer for eight hours yeah, a day. Awful. And it was not good. No. So. There's no life in that. <laughs> no. no. And they're still they're still uh, putting their propaganda out uh, online. And so you can't you can't really get away from it. Yeah, so. especially this year. I actually went to um, uh, a school board meeting for the first time. No kid look at you guys yeah, getting that. Right when the K twelve stuff yeah. stuff started and I was like Whoa! Mm-hmm. I was very surprised. Was it? It wasn't what you expected. <laughs> no, the uh, the teachers. A lot of the teachers were embarrassed to actually do the presentation. That's they should how, be that's embarrassed. What kind it's of embarrassing. Stuff, yeah, especially to like little kids, and I can just imagine the questions that they would ask, mm-hmm. and it was just yeah, not yeah. something that yeah. I want my kids to go through. To tell yeah. the truth. Well, uh, I'm excited for you because uh, this homeschool journey, I know I told you guys the other day when I was on your show, this is going to be the, the best thing you ever do for your family. So you tell your wife, her very worst day at homeschool is going to be better than her kid's best day in the public indoctrination center known as the public school. Amen. So congratulations to you. Dimitri, tell me about Slavic Vote because yes. you are you the founder of Slavic Vote? Well, there's multiple. I, I call all of us founders because we yeah. all kind of jumped into this and we started doing this and it's been, it changed our lives, I think, in many ways. Uh, mm-hmm. I know for sure for me, uh, it's a different lifestyle altogether mm-hmm. and I love it. 
Yeah. And how many of you are there now? So we have about, I believe, seven board members. We started off with uh, eight, nine members. Mm -hmm. uh, a few had to step away and do other things, but uh, we're still uh, strong with seven board members. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, our, we started off with primarily going to churches. Uh, you know, our church was kind of our, our goal originally, just go to our church, mm -hmm. register people to vote, encourage them to uh, just get involved and at least vote. And mm -hmm. it's it just kind of went from there where we were going all across Oregon and Washington to different states uh, and doing registration drives. And uh, just recently we kind of kicked off California as well, where um, it, it's, it's slowly kind of picking up, and, but a lot of things are happening there too. And uh, hopefully, you know, in a year or so, we'll have a full team there as well. And mm. it'll be great. There's a lot of Slavic people there. That's awesome. And the two of you work together, correct? In the Slavic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we actually went to the same church. Yeah. Um, that's where it kind of started. But Which a lot church of, is this? Um, it was New Life mm -hmm. um, on the Oregon side. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, our um, I remember our first meeting. It was so interesting because I've never seen these people. And we just invited a whole group of people. And we just sat around this table, kind of shaped like a rectangle. Mm -hmm. And that's where we met people like Lily Zhukova. Yeah, um, she's a firecracker. I mean, we met so many amazing people, and this is just right after the whole hype of what happened in Olympia that year, and this mm -hmm. is kind of when the Russian community just woke up, mm -hmm. and we didn't do it. It wasn't, you know, the work of our hands, because previously, I think people tried to get into politics in the Russian community, and it mm -hmm. just went really bad. Mm -hmm. uh, a, lot, a lot of the pastors were not very forthcoming with uh, even helping out or even sitting down to listen, mm -hmm. uh, just really staying away from politics. And I think we'll get later in the in this show, we'll probably go and describe why they have that approach mm -hmm. um, and why that happened. But yeah, the group came together. It was amazing. Uh, and I think we still have an amazing um, group of board members. Um, a lot of people actually like grew, like Lily, she's no longer with us, but mm -hmm. uh, she, uh, she brought so much, um, to the table mm -hmm. with her experience because she worked in politics. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she was in Olympia for a while. Uh, and then her law background that she's going, she's yeah. doing right now, it's just, uh, it brought a lot of uh, comfort to the pastors when yeah. we brought her along. And uh, we kind of learned a lot quite a bit yeah, and uh, the, over I think the years. It was a very God kind of experience because you know, we kind of were talking with a few people with our few friends like we should probably start this again very small our, our thinking was very small just one church two churches mm -hmm. and as we were meeting and talking about it there was this storm brewing mm -hmm. in olympia mm -hmm. where we saw just all of a sudden we see this huge rallies that are being formed and slavic people are just going like crazy and i remember april 1st that was a really big rally in, in on, on, on the Fool's Day, right? Fool's, yep, April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. And I remember clearly we went, that was our kind of our kickoff, where we went and started talking to people and like asking, hey, you want to get involved? So let's, let me get your number. Mm -hmm. We'll stay in touch. And even even now, you know, some of the people that we talked to, we stay in touch with them. And, and it was a very, uh, it was just a beautiful day. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's encouraging because... You guys are really the tip of the spear in this area for the Slavic community to really get them involved because we need their help. There's just no question. And we're in trouble. The nation's in trouble right now. We, you know, we, we're watching this incredible um, unraveling of our freedoms and our rights that we have long enjoyed in the United States. And really, people like me who've grown up here and never knew that there was another, you know, another way to do it. You know, I, I went to a Christian school and we were taught actually in high school it was a, a wonderful history teacher that taught Western civilization. And boy, I'll tell you what, he hammered communism and socialism and Marxism. And we studied these guys. And we knew that that was a dangerous ideology. The kids who are coming out of our schools now have no frame of reference for this. They don't understand communism. They do not understand the history of this nation or why communi communism is even bad. But you guys have a very unique perspective because you can look back in the not so distant past in your own families and hear actual stories of people that escaped communism and then some of them didn't. Um, I had a Russian, uh, a Russian woman in the studio with me about a year ago and she told a bone chilling story. She's a good friend of ours. Yeah. yeah, about what happened in her family. And so what I would love to do is just talk to you guys about where you've come from. And because we were talking the other day, there are some striking parallels to what happened um, as you saw your freedoms. Because people go, oh, Russia has always been communist. No, it hasn't always been communist. 70 years, that's it. Yeah. 
And it's very, very sad. Even Iran, if you look at the history of some of these countries, if you look back to Iran in the 50s and the 60s, the women there weren't being beaten in the public square. They were going to university. Well, when the Atollas took over and they came in and they brought in their, their dictatorship and their theocracy, the women really had to go underground. And what we're going to see happen in Afghanistan now will be the same thing. Uh, this is going to be devastating for women and girls because these are ideologies that actually kill people. So I'd like to start with you, Dimitri, and maybe tell us a little bit about your family and um, how long you guys have been here. Yeah, uh, and I think even thinking back in here in the United States, I don't remember really even, you know, in our schools learning about the Soviet Union and just the communism and everything. They, they didn't teach that. And what, I think what helped our community is that when we were growing up, in churches, in homes, uh, that's something that was always talked about. You know, mm -hmm. our parents always talked about it, our grandparents. And I think we grew up learning and hearing about these stories and, and without even, you know, learning these at school. So I think that's You're talking what, about school in the United States. Correct. Yeah, yeah they don't teach it. And the, the only way we learned about it is through our family stories. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we heard again in churches. Uh, people always talked about it. And I think that kind of left a very, um, you know, that, that kind of left a very interesting kind of picture for us and just about Five years ago, we start. I mean, personally, I started seeing some some things that are very similar, uh, and it, it that's what made made me want to get involved, and why I thought you know if we don't do anything about it, it's going to mm -hmm. come back mm -hmm. and it's going to get worse. So personally, for me, you know, my parents we moved here when I was about uh, nine years old. Mm -hmm. uh, we moved here from Belarus, and my parents grew up there, and we also grew up in the Russia Russia in, in in a little town called Novokubansk. And my family originally was from Belarus. And during the uh, World War II, the occupation started happening you know, from Belarus, from Poland. And my family, you know, my grandparents had to flee to, to Russia. And they had to stay there because they were being, you know, my grandfather, my grand grandfather was imprisoned for 10 years because he was a leader in town. And he became a Christian and the whole town, you know, essentially became Christian because of him. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he was imprisoned. He was beaten for many, many years. And he was very, you know, he, essentially he was, he was almost, um, uh, they couldn't rely on him anymore as a, as a, a person who would keep up the family. So my grandmother became, since she was the oldest, she became almost like a father figure. And uh, she took care of all the family, took care of my mom, took care of all, all of our, all of our kids. And it was very, it was a very hard life. Um, and, you know, they, when they moved here about 20 years ago, they, you know, they remembered all those things and they constantly talked about it. And I personally, I remembered those things and I always wanted to kind of document it. And so about, it's interesting. I want to stop on something for yeah. just a minute because you're saying that he was imprisoned and beaten because he was a Christian. And yeah. I think people need to understand because I keep hearing people say, well, communism, they're not anti-Christian, anti. They are. They're atheists. You have to remove God from the equation to yeah. do what they do to have total allegiance to the state. And people need to understand that there's a reason why Christians are persecuted in political systems like communism. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. What was the effect of that on the Christian community? Well, it, it essentially moved them underground. You know, mm -hmm. all the churches had to go to homes. Uh, they, if they didn't register, which was also kind of a new thing, you know, essentially if you were a Christian, you were, um, you were made fun of, you were persecuted, you were imprisoned, and you didn't have a you know, peaceful life. You couldn't, mm -hmm. uh, peacefully assemble and worship your God. And, you know, that was similar in some cases with uh, with Muslims and other churches. And some churches I, I heard, like Catholics um, or Orthodox, they were, they had some leeway, um, but for the most part, in the Protestants, they probably got the worst of it, from, mm -hmm. from what I hear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people, a lot of people, I don't think they um, realize, I think the best example maybe for the U.S. would be like, you know, Cuba, because they're so next door to mm -hmm, us. Mm -hmm. um, and even there, you know, we we have probably heard a lot of horror stories and, you know, what happened. People are still coming over here to this day. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of kind of like, yeah, it's almost like a live version of what happened on a much greater scale, I think, in the Soviet Union. Um, so even prior to coming onto the show, I actually gave myself a huge history lesson. I didn't realize this, but... Um, Christianity or any religion for that matter is just not compatible with socialism and communism, which is, I think, for me, um, it's almost the same thing because it leads to the mm -hmm. other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they all go to the same place. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things is is that it's not compatible because the state cannot be the ultimate authority in the end. Mm 
And that's all it turns, and that's that's all it is. Because with uh, being a Christian in a communist country, you have a higher moral standard, for example. And uh, what got a lot of Christians in trouble in the form of Soviet Union, like Dmitry might have mentioned, uh, was the fact that a lot of Christians didn't take up arms. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it might have been an understanding of like what, um, you know, do not kill in Russian. It's just, just translated into uh, more of a simpler word. And um, But that wasn't even the point. The point was the fact that um, nothing could be above what the state said and told you to do. And you said, oh, no, I'm not going to do this because I believe that there's a God or there's somebody else that I believe in. So in totality, uh, we think of like the Holocaust, for example, there's like six million and they include the Jews. Uh, I think there was a gays and mm -hmm. uh, people that were uh, helping the Jews too. there. The, yeah. yeah. So in, in Russia, uh, communism in, on the max scale or the if we take the the bigger range of the numbers, it's they say it's around 60 million mm -hmm. people perished wow. under communism. Of the 60 million, around 12 of them were Christian uh, or religious-related deaths. Because mm. um, the whole communist system, what they figured out really early was that um, that the whole system, communism couldn't exist just by paying everybody the same amount uh, because people wouldn't want to become a doctor mm -hmm. if you're getting paid the same right. as a yeah. janitor, for That's example. Right. It, it, it kind of broke down the morality of the people pretty quickly. Um, but I think in the end, what happened is Christians became like a, like a thorn in their side, and they were just they were not compatible with the system. Mm -hmm. Even though they were great workers, they were they were honest. They didn't drink, which was a huge issue in the former Soviet Union, probably to this day. But they didn't. Uh, they were great. La they were a great labor force, um, and the communism just decided that camps, like work camps, like labor camps, which turned into more like a concentration camp yeah. situation um, was just the way that they wanted to go. So if you ask even like Bill, one of our board members, Bill Krasnogorov or Red Hill Construction, that you might have heard mm -hmm. of him. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these people came from Siberia, not because it's such a great place to live in Siberia, because, I mean, it's beautiful maybe during the summer, but... Yeah. It's like Alaska. It's yeah. beautiful for, beautiful for, <laughs> for about two six months. weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or something like that. It, well, if you ask them, like, how did you guys end up there? They'll tell you that the mothers, once the, the breadwinner, like in Demetrius' case, he says his grandfather, was sent somewhere. The whole family would move to that location. And it just became a generational thing mm -hmm. where if you're in this place, you know, you get sent there for five years, you'll probably end up living there for 10 years. Um, and it was just it's just a very sad all around situation mm -hmm. for the Slavic community. And you can even talk to like grandpas that are still alive to this day that have like markings on their hands for like being in the specific camp, uh, like tattoos, just like they did in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. It just the, the horror stories. Just open up YouTube, type in uh, Christian or Baptist persecution or Pentecostal persecution, uh, and it'll bring a ton of stories of different uh, things that happen. So me and Dimitri, we're fairly young. Um, <laughs> I think Dimitri's a little bit younger than I am, but um, we kind of lived, because I was born in 81, mm -hmm. we lived during the communist era where everything was falling apart. Mm -hmm. So... I would say we kind of caught the tail end of the whole situation of how communism fell apart and things were a little more lax, like relaxed, but still that, let's say our year 89 is coming really close to what's happening in the U.S. right now. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get the beginning of the whole communism, which started like 70 years. Mm -hmm. um, we caught the end of it. And even then, we see the same type of things happening that we see starting in the U.S., mm -hmm. which for my generation, we're like, wow, okay. So, for example, something that um, was kind of common in school is, for example, with uh, vaccinations, mm -hmm. right? Or not vaccinations, just with any kind of medical procedure. So you'd be sitting in class, and a gentleman would come in into the class, and be, he'd be like, hey, you, you know, Borisov, he'd have a red band on his hand and he would call you out into the um, hallway mm -hmm. and 
He's like, let's go. And the thing is, you don't know where you're going. Does this happen to you? Yeah, to you well, well, it happened to me personally, but I mean, it's not a tragic story, but so, you know, That's and I'm like- That's a scary story Yeah, the, but the scary part is it doesn't matter what the end result really is. It's how, you know, how they're how able to do this. Yeah. yeah, and- The parents' um, consent. Yeah. yeah, the parents don't know. This is something that just the state does. So they hmm. they took me. That's interesting. Yeah, they took me into some kind of floor areas. It was it was a long walk. It felt like a death march. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I knew because my parents told me, you know, people might do stuff. Just be really careful. Be always cautious. Um, and we walked into an area. They put they plopped me out like on, on a dentist chair. And just started drilling away. Get out of town. No, no. No Novocaine? No Novocaine. Oh, my Yeah. Word. I mean, and I was I was in first grade, so I would have been it's around still. six. And the fear to me wasn't just a pain. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the fact that my parents didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if this guy was practicing. He looked pretty young. Mm-hmm. He was, like, practicing dental school. And... So they would choose, like, Christian kids to do these kind of things mm-hmm. because they're second-class citizens That's in another way. So, um, you know, I don't think it's that extreme here, but it's kind of getting there. Oh, For example, Australia. Oh. I just saw a video where a father was not willing to hand over his child, and, you know, they had to tackle him down. and um, You know, those kind of subtle things. And then other things, like the choir teacher, for example, for music class would put you out right in front of the piano while the whole class is sitting there in an auditorium and be like, you know, he's not singing this song with us because he is a, they call it stunde, which is like a, like a rebel. Mm-hmm. And as a 60 year old, you're just standing there. You're like, I have no idea why they're doing this, mm-hmm. but my mom told me it's going to happen. Uh, so uh, they're kind of subtle things that happen to us. But on the other hand, that's where we're starting off right now. It is. And here. it's fascinating that, you guys are here and remember. And I was telling, uh, I think we were talking about this the other day, I honestly think this is part of the reason why you're here right now, to sound the alarm, to say, hey, there, this has happened in other places before. You have a similar, how, how far, far apart are you guys in age? So I'm just 32, just turned today. Yeah. Oh, it's your birthday, Dimitri. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Wish I'd sing with you, but not right now. Yeah, so I'm 39, going to be turning 40 pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so and so yeah. how old were you when you came here? Um, our family came here in 89, like oh, wow. right when everything broke down. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the state was trying to keep things together, but we kind of knew something was going down mm-hmm. because just the way that Gorbachev Thank spoke. God for Reagan, <laughs> for President Reagan. Yeah, it was. For that courage um, that he displayed. Yeah, everything yeah. that happened, and it, and it, from what I hear, you can probably attest to this more. But what happened afterwards was kind of hectic because everything got privatized, and mm-hmm. that's a whole different story. When did you come over? So we came here in the in the ninety seven. Oh wow! So you were there a little bit longer. Yeah. And you said it was your your grandparents who really had experienced that yeah. imprisonment and the beatings and all that. Take right. us from there. Then what happened? Uh, well, I think my parents, uh, their experience, uh, because they kind of didn't get the, the really horrible things that happened to them. They more of the things that they experienced is, you know, just ridicu- ridiculing mm-hmm. uh, for them being Christians and just making fun of them in school and, and things like that. And that's something that they experienced. You know, my uh, my, my my grandfather, when he um, so this is my grandfather, my, when he's when he was essentially a uh, younger gentleman, he had to flee his country because he became a Christian as well. And he had to essentially go in front of this committee and they had to review his his status. Now why, essentially they called him, you know, why would you become a Christian? You know, you're, you're, you're an idiot, essentially. That, that's what they called him. And he had to essentially tell him, you know, if you think I'm an idiot, then let me go. I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to leave this job and I'm going to run away. And they ended up going to a different country because they felt they, they were not safe anymore. Mm-hmm. So they picked up and they left. And my, my dad was born in a Middle Eastern country because they, they moved there. And uh, it was th- that, that kind of lifestyle wasn't it was it was always something going on, always something that's behind them that they have to kind of kind of fear. Um, so that was kind of the unfortunate thing. And what I kind of talking about some parallels here uh, to kind of add to Yaroslav's story, you know, what we see now is again 
uh, things that are happening without parents' consent. Yeah. I think especially when we think about it, like abortion, right? There's some, you know, you can be, uh, you, you sometimes you might not, your parents might not even know that your kid had an abortion. Or, you know, the transgender whole mm -hmm. uh, um, conversion, right? Mm -hmm. it, those little things are starting to happen and eventually it's going to get worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And we have to stop it now. And otherwise, it, we're not, next thing we know, it's going to be anything. Mm -hmm. The state is going to control everything. Mm -hmm. It's true. And I think as parents, you know, I mean, I have seven children and I I cannot even conceive. My, my oldest daughter's 30. I cannot conceive of what is happening with my youngest daughter, who's 10. In the time, in this in this 20 year span, we have seen education flip on its head. But the truth is the more we're uncovering, this is the way it's been going for a long time. They've just been very quiet about it. Now they're not quiet anymore. And so we see these direct assaults on uh, on the family, trying to separate you know parents from their children ideologically, trying to do it spiritually. There's lots of different ways to do it. I was writing down a couple of things as you guys are talking. And one of the things I was I wrote down was that here in the United States, you know, the founding fathers in this nation came up with an amazing idea that nobody else had tried. And they said, our rights don't come from government. Our rights come from God. This is why uh, freedom of religion is so vitally important here in the United States, because when we get rid of that, you bring in socialism and they're going to try to do everything they can to stamp it out. This is why you see they're removing the Ten Commandments. If you go down into downtown Portland, they've knocked down all the all the Christian statues trying to erase our history. This is that philosophy of Karl Marx, right, that we're actually seeing now uh, being played out in the public square. And I thought the other thing that that you said that was so um, telling was how um, the, the, the Christians were really seen as a thorn in the side of these bureaucrats, of the elites, I guess is what you would call them. Um, and this is how we're being viewed now in the United States, those of us who want freedom and are standing up against mask mandates and standing up against um, uh, the, the, you know, the, the mandated injection and all this stuff, they are conditioning this generation to view their freedom as selfish. And that's very dangerous. And it's, it's kind of, it's where we're going. What are some other, as you guys think about what you're watching and seeing in the news, I mean, the obvious assault on parental rights, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a no-brainer. Is there anything else that you're watching and you're going, wow, we've, handwriting's on the wall, we've seen this before. I think just education alone mm -hmm. is such oh, a yeah. huge attack on education and just that, that aspect. And one thing that I'm thinking, you know, when uh, obviously a lot of people are, pulling their kids out of schools. Mm -hmm. You know, I work for Freedom Foundation, and like I mentioned, there's so many people are, are opting out, the teachers are opting out of unions, because that's oftentimes what's causing a lot of this. And one thing that I'm constantly kind of keep thinking is, you know, the parents that do take their kids out of out of school, they can't just, just sit back and just, you know, think that that's gonna be the end of it. You know, they can take their kids out and they don't have to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel like once, you know, enough people opt, you know, get their kids out of schools, they're going to go after homeschools. Mm -hmm. And we can't just sit there and, and let them take that because that's going to be, I don't know, after homeschooling, what, there's nothing left. Well, there isn't. And I think, you know, I would I always encourage parents, you know, when you take your children out of the public school, don't take yourself out of the public school system. Mm -hmm. You know, we continue. I've not, my kids have never attended the public school in this area, you know, because Jay and I saw the handwriting on the wall 23 years ago. But we have been very involved in actively helping uh, the parents whose kids are still in the public school to wake up, to know what's happening, to realize, listen, this is a slow, I mean, it's like a slow death, right, that we're experiencing right now, this very slow. And in the last four or five months, we're watching it pick up with incredible speed. I mean, when you came into the studio today, Dimitri, you said, have you seen what Kate Brown just did? No. She just has instituted a mask mandate outside. And I no. just thought, who do these people think that they are? Right. That the Americans are just going to continue to roll over. But that's what we've been doing. Yep. We basically have shown them that we'll, that we'll put up with it. Yeah. And uh, that's that's kind of frightening. And I think I heard uh, also today um, one of my coworkers mentioned, you know, we have Delta variant now. Mm -hmm. and I think there's talks about some other variant now. Well, I'm sure the Lambda, Lambda, Lambda is coming out and the Alpha Chi Beta. That's got to come gonna out. It's never going to end. <laughs> it never will. No, and fear is a really good way to control people. That was another question I guess I had for the two of you. Did you see the communists use fear to control people as you were growing up? Or so, did you hear about it? Well, 
so that's a good question, uh, which I think we definitely need to get to. But going back, um, you imagine a whole country because mm-hmm. the Soviet Russia in general, the Slavic people, super religious people, mm-hmm. like ninety something percent was Orthodox in in, in Russia mm-hmm. before communism even started. Mm-hmm. So they didn't convert. Uh, to like a socialist communist regime overnight there was a revolution that came along but it doesn't matter you know you have people in power but it doesn't mean that the whole country is going to convert automatically so how did they pull out religion or how did they even um set these people aside and made make them look like they're just crazy mm-hmm. um it actually started with schooling they wow. they did it. They did a separation of church and state. I'm I'm pretty sure it was a much quicker approach to church and state. They just said, okay, you can't teach any religion in school at all. Uh, you have to take any kind of religious symbology, which in Orthodox, uh, in Russian Orthodox, that deal. stuff is all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have little icon, you know, little Mary or Jesus. All over the place. You go into any house, they'll have it there. Mm-hmm. So how were they able to, you know, do that within a very short period of time? They hit education. Yeah. That was number one. So once they were able to get one generation away from viewing or even hearing about God or even any kind of religion, doesn't matter if they were people that were Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, whatever was in that region, because the Soviet bloc was so diverse. You have a lot of the Asia down south, like Kazakhstan, uh, even Afghanistan. Like, how were they able to get people to do this? And it's all about education. If they were able to get the kids away from the parents, become the parent to the kids in a way, or kind of usurp usurp the parents' authority. authority. Yes. Yes. So one of the things is, is, um, they prevented kids from like going to church meetings. So they said, hey, you older people go. This is kind of like a, almost a pharaoh thing. It is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, you, you parents can do whatever you need to do. You're going to probably disappear within 20 years because a lot of the people are older. But don't take the kids with you. And that was a huge thing. Then what happened was the state actually got into the church. And that was really scary. Um, like they would send, uh, they would have like KGB agents become members, and then they would eventually oh, wow. take over the take over the church building. And so the parishioners didn't know. Um, or did they didn't some know there was a KGB actually, in the church? Some of them actually knew, but at that point, there's there's a really interesting documentary. I don't. It's not in English. It's in Russian. But there is. They took a hundred young uh, people, like youth leaders, for example, and they. They spread them out all across Russia. They gave, they allowed them to gather. They gave them buildings, which was a big thing because they took out personal property. Uh, yeah, that's and communism 101. There was one guy out of this group that said no, and eventually he was. The, the whole thing is about his story, um, but eventually it turned out that all those churches that were actually run by the state, quote quote, no longer exist. So that whole issue worked itself out on a spiritual level, if you want to go that route. Um, So education uh, was the first thing that they attacked. And um, you can even go and watch the the trial, the tribunals, kind of what Dimitri was referring to. You know, on my level, it was just standing in front of class and the teacher pointing towards this person and saying, you know, you believe in God, ha, 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 Mm -hmm. uh, and would throw a couple pointers why God doesn't exist. Uh, parents would have the same thing, but with some kind of a conclusion, like you know you're you're going to jail or something like that. So it always ended in some kind of a punishment. Like for example, um, towards education, since people are listening to this and like I want to hear more about schooling and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christian people are were fairly smart. I can't say that it was just uneducated people. Mm-hmm. There were some educated people, and a lot of them went to school. They got great grades. Uh, it was called a red diploma. Mm-hmm. That means you got all A's through high school. Wow. A lot of these people, they wouldn't give them the red diplomas because they'd be acknowledging that a Christian who believes in God was smart. Was smart. Mm-hmm. And they made them look um, kind of like 
it, it wouldn't work with the system because how can a Christian have a red diploma? So, and then that trans, translated into work and jobs. So Christians, if they found out that you're a great doctor and you can perform surgeries that nobody else can, but if you're a Christian, you're going in the basement type of thing. You're not, you're not going to hold that position. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, communism partially didn't fall, but it lost so much labor force just because of that. Like Bill, Bill Krasnogorov's dad, he was a great fabricator. He worked mm -hmm. with like metal and machinery. And what they would do is uh, to get him out of his position, they would give him the lowest common denominator job possible at the facility that he was working out. Plus, since they had to meet quotas, they would give him impossible tasks to do. Like, if a normal person, it would he would, like, make, like, you know, five tractors or something like per day, for example, right? They would tell him, you have to do 10. So, but the thing is, these people, were they were, they were led by God. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he would, he would invent stuff just to keep up with the quotas. And these testimonies, they're just left and right. And I think to him, it happened, like, twice. He, it went up to, like, 20 units or something like oh that goodness. when a normal person could do, like, five or something. And yeah. it was just amazing. He was telling me this story about his dad. I was like, wow. So, <laughs> people literally had to survive. Another thing, as Dimitri mentioned, people had to move. Mm -hmm. Like, if it became unbearable... Uh, and the shunning became to the point where you couldn't do anything, you had to move. Like, for example, my mother, she's Russian. So I was born in Moscow. Uh, people are like, oh, you know, Moscow. But I was only born there. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom, she's she's Ukrainian, but she was born in, like, Almaty, which is, I think, is Kazakhstan. My dad was Russian, but he grew up in Baku. So people were displaced left and right. That's one of the things that they did is they tried to move people around, especially if there was Christians, they would move them around so they would have no contact with anybody. Kind of like what we're having here today. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. people are just moving to any state possible that doesn't mm -hmm. well, have any I, kind of persecution. And the message has got to be, you know, we have to establish a beachhead here because we... We're watching people, and I'm seeing it every single day. They're moving from Washington and Oregon. They're going to Texas. They're going to Florida. They're going to Montana. They're going to any place but here. Yeah. What they don't realize is, even though, you know, uh, I've met Governor DeSantis. He's a wonderful human being. He's the wonderful governor of Florida. Most people don't know that he won that election by a razor-thin margin against a completely wow. insane woman. And it could have it could have very easily swung the other direction. So let's say that we let them drive us from our homes because we're just sick of Kate Brown and Governor Inslee. Because who ain't sick of those guys, right? They're criminals. Who's not sick of this? It's ridiculous. So let's say that we all just go forget it. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to Florida. Now we've left our home. We've left our roots. We've left this this beautiful area that we love. And we move to Florida, and Florida has a bad election. And now Florida becomes Washington State, and we've left our homes. And, I, and we're very, very close, and I, I, I want people to hear that because I have the privilege, my husband and myself, of traveling all over this nation. And I'm telling you, everywhere I go, we see it more here because if it's like a cancer in the country, right? So if, if, the, if, if stage four is the end, Washington State's at a stage three, Texas may be at a two, Florida might be at a one, but the cancer is still there. Yep. And so for us to pretend like it isn't is foolishness. And you're saying, you know, uh, both of you, and we've talked about this before, but the education is ground zero for this stuff. And I've had people ask me, you know, talk about something else. Why are you talking about, you know, in your congressional and why are you focusing so much on uh, education? And I'm like, the, the, we should be so laser focused on our education system right now to understand that we are cranking out these kids by the hundreds of thousands every single year in this country. And they wouldn't think twice about throwing you in jail to meet you for your crazy conservative view viewpoint. They, they think you're dangerous. Yeah. And they, they have been indoctrinated. They really do believe that. And this is where we have opportunity to sound the alarm, to, sell, to do what your uh, courageous wife did and pull your children out of these schools because that we are losing. And I think really the Slavic community was hard to come around to this because I've spoken, I mean, long before you and I were friends, Dimitri, I was going to the Slavic community in, in Sacramento and going to, the, uh, to Word of Truth in, in Battleground. And people were like, oh, I don't know. You know, English isn't our first language. This is a huge problem, right? English isn't our first language. And I was saying, your kids are going to be, they're going to be, they're going to turn your kids against you. 
and you can only say it so many times. Yeah. But I don't think that I don't see the resistance as much now. And your community is special in that they do know communism. They do understand socialism. This generation, these Americans, these lazy, you know, uneducated Americans, really, I can say that. You can't say that about me, but I can say it about me, right? So the, the lazy, uneducated Americans, they don't know. They really don't. And you can say, well, it's, it, you know, it's on, it's on you, but they're a product, most of these young adults, of the public school system. Yeah, and the, yeah. The thing is, I, 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 you're so hard on the American people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so because I am one. See, I can talk really yeah. bad about my sisters, but you can't. Yeah. So right? that's the thing how we is, are. Like, we feel guilty as a Slavic community, and I can maybe say this personally for myself. I don't know about Dmitry, but <laughs> that we've been here for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And for example, we started voting. I started voting about two years ago when the organization started. Mm -hmm. So what was I doing for the 30 years? And I think what happened was the Slavic community came here to America and they just took a deep breath and took a nap. That's very, very long nap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 30 year nap pretty much. Like and a Rip Van Winkle kind of a nap. And, and the reason for that is, is because there were Americans that we knew we're like wow you know they were they've been doing this for 200 years they would know if something came up and it was wrong or it was going towards a specific ideology they would catch that um but i think i, I can't really blame the american people that much because it, it's it's almost like this uh i went to mexico once not like on the resort vacation but it was more like a, a two yeah, yeah. Uh, like Rosarita, and then mm -hmm. yeah, Tijuana. We went there, and some other small town. More like on mission work. Yeah, but for me, I was didn't really do a lot of talking. It was just more like scoping things out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what I realized is like like these people have a beautiful country. Yes, they do. I mean, like it's a resort. It's warm. The climate is just perfect. There's land, there's everything. Why are they not thriving? Mm -hmm. And what I realize is, uh, I mean, with the technology that we have today, you have YouTube, you have internet, TV. But I think until a person goes to a different country and sees how it is at that different country, he really has nothing to compare to. Mm -hmm. And I think this is maybe what happened to the American yeah. community. Um, I know immigration is a huge driver for people to be like, hey, you know, what's happening? Uh, we just came out of our communist country. You know, we swam over here from Cuba. Yeah. You know, they're kind of still in shell shock. Um, but it was good. In 89, it was, it was like heaven uh, compared to what's happening right now. But what I'm saying is it's a perspective thing, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I would love for... These college kids, the ones that we're talking about, that have been kind of brainwashed. Yeah, go to Venezuela. Sense. Yeah, go to Cuba. I mean, it doesn't even have to you, take him to China and oh have God. them say something wrong about the government. They're going to be out of there. You know what's so interesting, though? Um, these kids are so brainwashed. There was a, a gentleman I just spoke in on Alaska, Washington, the other day, um, trying to help parents take their kids out of the schools. And I went to a school board meeting. And I was speaking up very strongly against critical race theory, which is just teaching our children to be racist, right? So we're teaching, we're teaching this terrible ideology. Well, at the end, uh, one of the young people from the back of the room came up. He's a, uh, I think he was a, a Washington State University a graduate, maybe. And he said, you know, I spent two years in communist China. And I was thinking, good, he's going he's gonna, to you know, tell everybody. But then he said, you know what I learned? He looked right at me. He said the the communist uh, dictatorship, the the presidents of China, you know Xi Jinping. These are wicked people in many many respects. The the um, the oligarchs that are there, the 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 elites get all the money, and the people are suffering. And he acknowledged that. You know, I lived in China, and I saw. He said the worst part about it was that the Chinese government tells you what you can and cannot listen to, what you can and cannot um, say. What will and will not be taught, and he said, "You want to bring that here, because I because I didn't want critical race theory taught in the school, and I I wanted to, I there wasn't a debate, so you they, you know you couldn't stand up and say anything, but I wanted to stand on my feet and say, you foolish foolish child, 
that you cannot see the difference between teaching things that are harmful. I mean, you want to teach someone about critical race theory, fine, but we're not doing that. We're teaching them that critical race theory is correct. There's a difference. And so we're not saying censorship. If we were saying censorship, then we would say, oh, no, we don't want to talk about communism, but we're not doing that. We're saying teach it from a from the from the right perspective, and that's not what we're doing. But this this uh, liberal university students takeaway from China was it would be wrong for me, someone like me, to come into a school and say, no, you can't teach critical race theory because that's communist. It's really messed up. It's really, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I mean, you're right, I am hard on the Americans, you know, because I grew up here and I'm just like, you know, I've been <laughs> William wallace all over the country for many, many years. <laughs> so I'm starting to be like, we've been, this is like the worst, um, you normally when you say, I told you that was going to happen, you can kind of gloat a little bit. There's no satisfaction in this. This is sorrowful what's happening to our country and we're watching it happen right in front of us. And I guess my... My um, my anger, if you will, at the education system and my frustration with the young people, you're completely right. They they don't know different. They've literally been taught that this country is a terrible place, that we're an oppressive country, that we're not the beacon of hope that we have been historically around the world. But people still died to get here, it's like true. we're seeing right now from Afghanistan. Yes. I mean, it's... Well, and this is a shameful moment for the United States. It's an embarrassing moment as we're leaving our allies, people who have risked their lives to help us, and we're leaving them there. What in the world is going on? And and we're watching uh, so many of these young people and kids who have grown up in the public school system. This is why I keep telling parents, take your children out of these schools. Do not leave them in there for one more second. Because, you, because this indoctrination that you were referring to is in everything. It literally is in every subject. It's not like they, it's not like they, it's, they don't pick the indoctrination book off the shelf and say, kids, for the next hour, I'm going to indoctrinate you. No, it's literally woven into math and science and history and language and reading and art. It's in all of it. And so there's, it's, it's a poisoned well. So you can no longer drink water from a poisoned well. And it's fascinating to me to talk to you. And I, I wish that your message and what your uh, families came from and what you saw and what you witnessed firsthand. And thank God for your uh, parents passing down the stories to you yeah. Uh, so that you will remember them because you don't get it in school. I mean, you said that yourself, right? Yeah. You, you didn't get that no. in school. Exactly. Yeah. So where do we go from here, guys? Because well, I guess my question is like, I mean, we can sit here and get all depressed, you know, wah, wah, you know, well, not you, you're not depressed, but I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, well, for me, like I'm, I'm just watching the Slavic community and for the longest time they've been constantly saying, you know, church and politics don't work together. Yeah. Yeah. You leave that at the door. That's not just the Slavic community. That's America. True. True. Uh, but yeah. I think the uh, Slavic community may be even, even worse because mm -hmm. They, you know, it has nothing to do with the church. Like you don't bring it, you forget about it. Christians don't even belong in the politics. And, you know, for the longest time that was happening. And I think a lot of it has to do because we've seen, you know, the worst of it. We've seen the worst of the political kind of uh, world, right? But um, what, I, what I see, you know, when I look at the Bible, you know, when I look at the Bible, every single main character in the Bible, they were heavily involved in politics. They were either elected officials. They were either leaders and kings and, and queens. They were they were essentially you know almost every character were had a very uh, prominent role and yes. and they had they were very influential. They were leaders. They were leaders, and that's why you know we need to become that. You yes. know I, I think it, we cannot separate those two. You know and the, and the more I study the Bible, the more passionate I get about it. Uh, and I just hope the Slavic community they start realizing that, and you know we we start actually getting more and more involved. Mm -hmm. You know not only voting, and that's important. That's a, a great stepping stone because. Mm -hmm. The Slavic community still doesn't vote as much as we want them to, mm -hmm. but just going to a school board—that's mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. uh, just running for a very small position, you know, even just getting involved, you know, with organizations like ours—it's—it's it's a place, and that's for a lot of reasons why we have this organization is to have a place where the Slavic community can get involved. You know, mm -hmm. maybe they don't want to go to the school board because it's very confusing. They can come to us, and we'll, you know, we've been we've been doing this for such a long time. We have an idea where is a great place and we can navigate them they can just get involved with us but getting involved is really really important we can no longer just give up and just because just the, the fact that people are saying you know voting doesn't matter anymore that's already a, a very uh you know losing position mm -hmm. and you know if you if you think voting is not important you already lost that's right yeah that's exactly right and you guys have um 
you know, you're, you're showing, uh, I think a lot of people that it, there are uncomfortable moments. Like your, your wife pulling your kids out of school is a scary thing to do. Going to a school board meeting when you've never done it before is intimidating, right? And so I think we're going to have to be willing to get uncomfortable. Yeah. We have to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I told my husband the other day, I would really like, you know, let's run for Congress. You guys want, I'm going to tell you what, I do things that scare me every day now, right? Whether it's national interviews or uh, whatever it is, speaking in front of new audiences all the time, whatever that is. But I think the country's worth fighting for. And that's where we are. We're going to have to kind of launch into warrior mode in this warrior mentality. We fight first for our children, but ultimately we're fighting for our freedom. And I, in some respects, I, I have sensed for some time we're sort of gasping for air. And when you see uh, Kate Brown feel so comfortable in her totalitarian, totalitarianism, in the way that she's, you know, basically trying to uh, take the freedoms of, of ordinary Oregonians away from them, that should be a wake-up call. And I think, uh, Dimitri, maybe it was you earlier that said, you know, I, we think this is going to wake people up, right? Because yeah. it could have been, we could have gone back to business as usual and people would have forgotten that there were uh, wicked people who want to rule the people of this country with an iron fist. We maybe would have forgotten I don't think we're going to forget Kate Brown anytime soon. I don't think we're going to forget uh, Governor Inslee. Well, I think they're relying. Soon. I think they're relying of erasing the history. They're, I think they're mm -hmm. relying. If they can get more and more of this, they can just erase all the bad things that they've done, and they can just continue moving forward. Mm -hmm. And you guys still think, you know, you, your families came here and you're watching, uh, watching what's happening. How are how are they taking this in now? The thing is, America is like the last stand. Though. It is. It um, is. I There's mean, no place to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way that I look at it, I know Dimitri took it, just went all Bible out on this here. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's good, but there's a quote that uh, Richard Burke uh, from the Western Liberty Network said, which I'm not sure how appropriate it is, but I'm just going to say it. Shout out to Richard Burke. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> he was in the uh, studio and he said, um, either you do politics or politics will do you. Yeah. And the reason that quote kind of stuck to me is I'm like, trying to explain this to pastors and even parents like mm -hmm. who still to this day are like just drop politics yeah. politics go do something in the church go do something in the community that's how things are going to change well i look at it from a slightly different perspective um for example for the people that are listening to this and they're believers uh the bible talks about two mainly two main sins right there's the sin of commission and there's a sin of omission. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, yeah, let's focus on the ones, you know, that, you know, they'll drink and stuff. And mm -hmm. people know those. But it's the one where you see something being done and you know that it's evil or it's infringing on somebody else's rights. Not your rights, maybe at this point, mm -hmm. but on somebody else's. And you don't do anything. That's on me. Mm -hmm. That's not on the person that's it's happening to it's not another person that's even doing it at this point it's on me because i didn't stop it mm -hmm. um and that's the perspective i think that a lot of slavic people who are faith-based um they have to understand that mm -hmm. as christians because sooner or later what woke us up was really actually the weirdest thing ever it was the whole um school was it the school mm -hmm. the protest that happened in olympia was mainly because of something yeah. that happened in school it affected our kids mm -hmm. we would have never thought 30 years ago that that's what would actually get the russian community active mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but and they care did. about their kids yeah yeah they care about their kids we had a meeting here uh, i want to say it was two and a half years ago maybe uh, and i showed a video called the war on children and there was a huge number of slavic families here at the resource center and we showed them the war on children and I said, this is this, you're not gonna like this. And they're gonna use, they're gonna say words and use language that's gonna be offensive and you're gonna squirm in your seat. And there were some really old, you know, Russian grandmothers with the scarves on and everything. I was like, oh dear, <laughs> this is gonna be. I looked, I looked at my husband, he was like, I don't know if we should play this. Cause it 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 is awful, but it is what's happening. And we have to be, we have to be willing to look the awful thing in the face. And not shy away from it, not run away. And I did see a lot of those grandmothers, they were turning in their seats. Some of them were crying, but they needed to see it. They needed to see this is what's happening. And it's not just the United States, it's Australia, it's Africa, it's everywhere. Yeah. Because this is the spirit of the age that we're, that we're talking about. And it's assault against the whole world. And so what do God's people do? 
they need to get involved. They need to become leaders. Well, it's interesting you speak of grandparents or grandmas. This last election, I think, what really inspired me. I've seen probably some of the more some of the some interesting pictures. Like some grandmas are yeah. coming out and, and like first of all being big Trump supporters. That yeah. was that was just surprising to me. But they were uh, probably more educated about politics and Trump and just the entire thing than some of our younger people mm-hmm. because they live through it and they can see it. And I know my my uh, my grandma. She was super passionate about uh, what was going on, and she probably again knows more politics uh, and what's going on than some of the younger people. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It is, yeah. And they know how important it is to protect yeah. it. Yeah, in that video that you were talking about, I, I don't know if it's the same one. Uh, we went to the old believers community in Woodburn, mm-hmm. and they showed the same thing. And there were people there a lot older, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It, it was an eye opener because yes. they're they're saying this is happening in the school. This is ha- this is what your kids are seeing. If you feel uncomfortable watching this, how do they feel? How do they feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they just shocked them like yeah. bombshell. <laughs> well, and honestly, that is what needs to happen. And I and I think that the saddest part here is what really breaks my heart. And I said this to the families that were here that night. What breaks my heart is our kids are not shocked by this because they've been indoctrinated. They're not shocked by it. They're not shocked by pictures that that the pictures that we showed or the terminology that we use. We are because our hearts are still tender toward God's gift of human sexuality. It's a precious gift. These kids, their hearts are seared toward it. And that's because from the time they're very little, this terminology is in the schools. And so by the time they start reading these books to the kids, they already know that stuff. They're like, what do you, you know, mom and dad, what do you care? Well, the mom and dad and the grandparents see it and they their and their response is, Oh my God, what have we done? We've left our kids in this in this system and by the time we take them out, they have a completely upside down view from the one that we wanted them to have mm-hmm. of how precious this gift is and why we want to protect it. And so when, uh, and, and for me, you know, even taking, you know, several years ago, we started taking busloads of people up to, uh, up to Olympia and testifying. And I remember standing on the floor of the state house in Olympia and testifying and Chris Reichdahl sitting behind me. And this guy is just really a puppet of Governor Inslee, does whatever Inslee wants him to do. And I was literally begging the, the, the board, listen to me. This is so important. Well, I've gone from saying it's a crisis to saying it's an emergency now. Now it's an emergency. Our country's on fire. Our state is on fire. Our schools are on fire. I do not think that the schools can be uh, corrected. I think the whole system's going to have to come down and we're going to have to build it back again. Right. And that's going to take a long time. So in the meantime... We have an opportunity, and isn't it just like God to bring us solutions before we know we have problems? And there are so many good solutions right here in Vancouver and all around the country for homeschooling. There's so many, you know, 25 years ago, you know, when, when we pulled our daughter out, I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this thing, but I didn't feel like the school is necessarily on fire. I just thought there's gotta be a better way. I really considered myself part of the, the tail end of the homeschool pioneers. These people are not pioneers, they're refugees. They're not running to something, they're running from something. And so we need to, to and when you see someone running from something, you, what do you do? You give them help. You say, can I help you? I see that you're running the, ho- the running from the burning house or running from whatever it is. And what do we do? We come alongside with food and water and shelter. And that is the job of the church right now, to come alongside these, these people who are running from a system that is stealing their children from them and say, how can we help you? Right. And I, I feel like if, if the church can get that, if we can get it you know, dug down deep and the church will start talking about that and coming up with solutions and partnering with people like my husband and myself who have started this place, we, we, there are solutions. Yeah. There really are. It just will, it will take courage. And the good news, there is pastors are waking up, but at least I know a few pastors who have been very outspoken to the point where they say, you know, if you don't vote, if you're going to throw away this ballot, you're essentially committing a sin. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love seeing that. I know it's kind of a, might sound a little radical, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of to to, uh, to Yadik's point. And, you know, we're having a pastor come on this, this Thursday on our radio program where we're going to talk about those things. We're going to talk about church and politics. And I hope people are going to listen to that and, and hear the how important, you know, for us to get away from the idea that church and politics doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It does work. And if we want to get be influential, we have to get involved. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Good. Well, how can people find you guys at Slavic Vote? So we have multiple ways. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I think the the best way is Instagram. I think that's kind of kind of our sweet spot where we have a lot of... Are you guys millennials? Listen to that. 
The best way is Instagram. Oh, okay. I well, had to get Instagram because of Slavic Vote. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I am. <laughs> well, and, and I haven't used it for You're that long. You're talking to a woman in her 50s, but carry on. I haven't used it that for that long, but I, I know that it's very, you know, the youth use it. And we, yeah, they do. You Absolutely. Get, I'm just giving you a hard yeah. time. Don't listen to me. I'm just <laughs> but Instagram is probably, you know, the best way because there's a lot of pictures, you know, mm -hmm. love pictures. There's a lot of videos. There's just a lot of content. You, you can essentially see what we do. Um, and then our website, if that's another place where the, you can find a lot of our just our resources because during the election, um, and for those people who might not know who we are, what we do is also we put out election material and something that we do, you know, we try to study these candidates. And recently we've been actually uh, partnering with the SV Action, which, which Lily now leads. Mm -hmm. We've been able to almost endorse candidates, which is a very, uh, makes things a lot easier. So yeah. that's been very helpful this last election. So our, our website, slavicvote.org. You know, Instagram, Slavic Vote, Facebook, Slavic Vote, mm, people, PNW. People, if, if there were a pastor to invite you to come to their church, are you available to do those uh, kinds of things? Oh, yeah. We've, we, we've been probably visited over 50, 60 churches just in the last two years and in the Slavic churches, sometimes twice. And um, we've, we've brought this message. Mm -hmm. And my, my message now is, in first of all, the, the local election is probably where we really have to really focus on. I know everybody's been focusing on the Trump and That's what his I've been election. Saying. Yeah, this this twenty this twenty twenty one election is crucial. Yep, exactly. So the local election is going to be super important. Maybe the you know the general election, maybe the you know national elections are rigged, uh, mm -hmm. but we have to really, really focus on the local elections mm -hmm. because one thing that I like to say, you know, and, and maybe you can correct me, I think I've heard. Um, so the, half our country is Christian, right? Mm -hmm. For for the most part, half of that number. Is only registered to vote, mm -hmm. and half of that number Lashing is only vote. voting. Mm -hmm. So imagine if if at least half of the Christians were actually voting, this this would not be happening. No, it wouldn't be happening. And uh, and I think now, I mean, we're right now we're learning a very painful lesson. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of a lot of uh, Christians who thought for whatever reason they didn't like you know President Trump's style, and so they just thought, you know what, forget it, we're going to go with this guy. And uh, we're learning a very hard lesson. We're seven months now into a four-year term. Yep. And he's done more damage to our country in seven months than I think any president before him in the history of the world. Absolutely. And this is on us. This is on the voters in the United States. I mean, clearly there was voter fraud, and we're going to have to root it out and fix it and fix the election system in this nation and, and here in the, in the Northwest. But the bottom line is he, they, I, they, they would have had a much harder time getting away with it if the church hadn't just turned their nose and said, no, this is, you know, we're too good for this and washed their hands of it. Yeah. And uh, we need to never let this happen again. It Absolutely. can never happen again. Absolutely. And I know you're yeah. about, we're about to end here, but one thing that I kind of want to say, like you said, we're here for this reason. I think I really do believe God has brought yes. us to this country for this reason. Mm -hmm. And our voice, our voice, you know, the Slavic community voice is very, very powerful because the, unfortunately, the white people in this country, the Americans, they don't have much of a voice anymore. Mm -hmm. The Slavic community, as an immigrant, as a refugee, we still have some kind of voice. We have that card, right? Yeah. And if we can use that, I think it'll, it'll, it'll. First of all, we can speak against these things that we that we talked about today, and hopefully, we can turn start turning things around. Mm -hmm. So, using that voice is is important, and if we don't use it, it's it's going to be unfortunate. Well, and silence is consent. Yep. At this point, when the, all they need to continue and to finish the job they've started is for us to be quiet. Absolutely. And I appreciate you guys and your willingness to, to come on and to be a voice. Dimitri uh, Yatislav, thank you for coming. Now, I, I didn't even try your last name because I can barely do the first name, but just for fun. Dimitri, what's your, what's your last name? So uh, Say it slow for the, for the ladies in the back. So the English version is Sashchenko, yeah. Sashchenko and then yeah. the Russian is Sashchenko. That's beautiful. What's your uh, last name? Mine is simple. It's Borisov. Borisov? Or yeah, Borisov. It's the only thing that rhymes with my first name, Yaroslav Borisov. <laughs> well, if you didn't say the Russian one, it would be Borisov would be Russian version. I love it. Well, and I, I know you say you have a lot of Slavic followers. So, and I think, I hope, I hope we can speak to them right now yeah. and say, you know, um, if you live, you know, there's a lot of places like Ohio and New York and Florida. And a lot of times they're, they're, they're they haven't seen what we've seen here in Portland. Mm -hmm. And it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So, Get active, reach out to us. We'll be happy to uh, give you resources, give you, connect you, and, and guide you through this process. And you can at least get ahead of this before it comes to you. And we're, we're here to essentially help everybody, you know, Slavic community, everybody else to, to get, get out and vote. I think mm -hmm. that's going to be the most important thing. And your election is going to be super important. We're excited about that. We're, you know, I think that's going to be you know, a big churn. And I think your voice in Congress is going to be a, a 
Wrecking Ball. That's what I'm looking forward to. Thank you. I'm for looking the way. forward to it too. Put me in a room with Nancy Pelosi. That woman's going down. Yes, I'm. I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that day when mm -hmm. I when you go head to head against Nancy. Me too. It's gonna be a beautiful day. Yeah. By the way, thank you for coming to our radio last week. You're welcome. It was a great program. Uh, by the way, if you are listening and you want to hear that radio, you can also find that on our Instagram and our YouTube page, which is just love it go. You guys, thank you so much for coming. It's really been a joy and an honor to have you here. I thank appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. You guys want more information on Slavic Vote? I will link back to all things Slavic Vote in the show notes today. We appreciate you guys listening. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. This podcast couldn't have been possible without our incredible producer, Vitaly Zaitsev. And of course, we'd like to say a special thank you to our supporters, sponsors, and contributors. Special recognition to some of our sponsors like Red Hill Construction, Pinmeni Pinmeni, Martina Realty, and American's Best Realty, among others. If you'd like to learn how to partner with Slavic Vote, you can find more information on our website, slavicvote.org. Thank you for listening and join us next time.